Curriculum Associates presents the Extraordinary Educators podcast with host Danielle Sullivan and Sari Laveris. Hear tips, best practices, and successes to improve your teaching and leadership and drive student growth and learning. We're here for you. Hi, everyone. It's Sari. Welcome back to the Extraordinary Educators podcast. Danielle is out, so I am flying solo this week, joined by the amazing Glenda Lise Almonte. She is one of my fabulous colleagues at Curriculum Associates, a national director of content and implementation. And this week, we sat down to talk about just what's on Glenda Lise's mind in terms of reading and teaching reading and how to really start with a foundation of trust and belonging and building relationships with your students. So here is my conversation with Glendalise. Hey, Glendalise. So great to see you. Thank you for coming back on the podcast. Hi, Sari. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I love talking to you all. <laughs> awesome. Well, us too. Um, so just to start off, tell us what is on your mind lately? What have you been thinking about? We know you've been traveling a lot, seeing a lot of educators. What's what's going on? So this summer, it was really interesting. I was asked to present at Extraordinary Educators. And I was like, what am I going to present to a bunch of Extraordinary Educators, right? Because you get nervous. I got nervous. I was like, what do you mean? These people should be teaching me. And I've been looking at um, a lot of the research, obviously, around uh, reading. We know that students are below grade level in reading. And I think teachers, when I was thinking about just from the highest level view about what teachers would want to hear from me, I thought this should really be focused on how to give students an opportunity to see success. Like, what does that look like? How do I communicate that? How do we talk about it in a space where I'm in front of a bunch of people and I came across in my in my research, because, you know, I'm always doing that. <laughs> I came across Albert Bandura's self-efficacy theory. And I mean, it's pretty simple, right? Like if we if we do something successful or successfully, we we're successful at it. And we're like, oh, yes, I can do that. Like if I pick up a book today and I read this book, then I'm going to feel like I accomplished something. And now I can go on and read more books. Right. Like that's that's a mastery experience in that theory. But I think that from a from a teaching perspective, just drawing the lens into how we can blend that with cultural responsiveness to give students the most autonomy and the most opportunity to be successful in the classroom and what that looks like and how that might look different per student, uh, given how they show up, how they speak, what they're reading, what we're trying to teach them. And at the end of the day, of course, uh, align that to teaching reading. I mean, that really was what I was thinking about. These are the things the, the things that I felt like I had to task myself with, right? <laughs> um, really exciting stuff came out of that because what I realized is that when you look at what students are doing, um, what they're what we're asking them to engage with, what teachers have to do in order to feel successful themselves, right? So how do we help teachers find their self-efficacy in the process of helping students achieve that? is fascinating to me because everybody needs to feel like they've accomplished something. And I think that the last couple of years has been really hard on educators because students are struggling. And it's not because educators haven't been trying. Um, so I I was like, okay, 
we have that part. I have the theory part. How do I put that into practice? And, you know, anybody who's using iReady, I was like, well, let me tie this into some of the reports that teachers are seeing on a daily basis so that they can measure self-efficacy in a way that's tangible. And that's that's pretty much what I came up with. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that was the work. Well, that's awesome. And that's also a lot. I think too, the part that sticks out to me is obviously on, you know, it's, it's much easier said than done. I would, I would say that generally teachers probably want all of their students to always have their aha moments. They want them to feel successful, but you're teaching one lesson to 30 students. It's, it's almost impossible, you know, it's, and, and that can also be kind of draining and exhausting. So where do you kind of begin in thinking about this? If, if, there's a teacher listening to this who really wants to ensure that their students, you know, are, are getting that sense of success. So then they can continue the cycle of, okay, now I'm going to read more. I'm going to try again. Like, how do they, how do they begin to think about that on the day to day? Well, I think it, it really depends on where students are, right? Like if you have a student who isn't able to identify letters yet, right? How you teach that particular student. And we don't know what grade level that student is in. Obviously, we hope that child is in kindergarten. That child might be a third grader who's not able to identify letters yet. So to me, it's where's the student? If we have a student who doesn't have um, the ability to identify letters yet or doesn't know what sounds are related to letters, and we're able to incubate a space in the classroom where a student is is able to practice that, to be taught that, to be taught a, a some sort of strategy to apply sound to letters, right? So now they are able to identify a sound that's related to a letter or they're able to read a word. That in and of itself for a student who has not achieved one of those things is an experience, a mastery experience for them. And, and honestly, there are other parts of that, of that theory that apply, right? So yes, mastery experiences are important, but vicarious ones are important too. So if I'm in a classroom with someone and I recognize that me and this other student are essentially on the same reading level and say, Sari, that's you. And I see you achieve that thing. I'm like, wait a minute. If Sari can do it, I can do it too. And that is, that's a part of that theory. It, it also goes into how social influences can either disrupt or engage a student in learning. Uh, so if a student hears a teacher say, oh, you can do it and is encouraging and has high expectations, this is where culturally responsive teaching comes in. That student's going to be like, you know what? Miss Almonte really thinks that I can do this. So I'm going to, I'm going to work toward that, right? Teachers set the expectations in the classrooms that we want the students to, to achieve. But if, if students overhear teachers saying negative things about them or hear them say, oh, this student can't do something, that student is likely to internalize that and become the thing that the teacher is saying they are. So, you know, emotional states matter for students. How they feel matters. What's going on in their daily experiences matter when it comes to learning. And we want to create spaces in, the, in, in a classroom environment or even in a school environment where students feel seen and heard and they feel valued and they feel safe. So that when they get into that space, they take risks, they take learning risks, and they're not afraid to take those risks. And that's where we see the most learning. And I think that like for teachers, it really is a matter of building trust. And if they can start there, then I think, you know, having the trust of your students, I really do think that that's, that's the greatest place to start from, because then students are willing to do whatever you ask them to do in the classroom, even if yeah. they don't 
they know why. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's true. We talk a lot about that on this podcast, building relationships, building stress, and that has to be the foundation because yeah. that's how you're going to get them to take risks and be comfortable. And, and just thinking about what you said earlier, it's so important, like, you know, it's hard to kind of undo habits, but when you, if you are a teacher and you're continuously saying low group or kids in the red, and then you you have to think about from the student's perspective, like if they're overhearing that, what does that say to themselves and how is that going to impact? Because the mindset <laughs> matters the most, right? Because if they're going into it knowing I'm going to be challenged, but I can do it and my teacher believes in me and my friends are there to support me, it just makes it a lot easier to, uh, it almost happens naturally to engage them and have them take those risks, right? Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, I was in in nurse occupations and I was getting my CNA to become a certified nurse assistant. And one of the things they used to drill in our head is watch how you talk around the patients. Watch, you know, watch yourself and make sure that you're not calling the patient by the illness that they have or identifying them by, oh, this is the stroke in room four. Right. So We have to be really careful about the words that we use when we're describing kids, like the red kids. Right. Because kids hear, you know, they're listening, they're paying attention to the things that we say. And and that, you know, I'm not saying to any teacher that they have to be perfect. Look, I'm a mom. (laughs) I am imperfect. And I have to be very careful about the things that I say to my son because he listens to every single word that comes out of my mouth. So it really is a practice. That you have to that you have to do sort of like you know people meditate. You have to practice it to get good at it. You have to practice being thoughtful and uh, approaching education from an asset based perspective. That has to be practiced, and you have to practice it on a daily basis to get better. Otherwise, it's something that is not going to necessarily come natural to most people in a right. learning. Yeah, it's really, really, really hard. And you're right. No one is perfect. And I I get it. It's it's almost as important the things you say to them and then the things you say in their presence, but not to them, because that's almost when they're listening. Right. (laughs) As we know well from having toddlers. So before we close out, Glendalise, is there any other, you know, last bits of advice or wisdom you want to impart on our listeners as we head into, you know, the new year coming up soon and and winter break? Yeah. I mean, so when I was in, when I was in college, I had a professor, um, may he rest in peace. He's passed away since, but my professor, I remember he sat me down. This is when I was going to graduate school. He was an undergrad professor. And he said to me, you know, Glendalise, when you show up in your classroom to teach, everyone is looking at you. You're setting the example. And one of the things he would tell me is don't ever show up. I mean, he was old school. So don't ever show up at at work with open toe shoes. That was like what he would tell me. So he was always like, make sure you dress for the job. You know, so like in my head, it's like, make sure you dress for the job. What I'm trying to get at is we want to make sure that when we step into the classroom, we're dressing for the job. We're ready for the job. We are in there for the right reasons. And when the students feel that an educator wants to be in that space with them, they tend to respond to that, you know, energy feeds energy. So, you know, get in the classroom and give the kids the support they need. Uh, Be warm demanders, as I always say, to ensure that you're holding kids to high expectations, but showing them all the love that you can, because they're going to want to work for you. If you do that, uh, that's all I have. You know, we're in the season of Thanksgiving. So give thanks for the kids that are in the space and give thanks for their willingness to learn. And hopefully you'll get that back from them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much as always for your time and expertise. Always great chatting with you.
Get inspired by following us on social media and please tag us in your posts on Twitter at Curriculum Soch and on Instagram at MyIReady. If you have feedback about the podcast, a topic of interest, or want to be a guest, email extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. Subscribe where you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to help more educators like you join the conversation, please leave a review. And remember, be you, be true, be extraordinary. The Extraordinary Educators Podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates, editing by Whiteboard Geeks, social media by Atsdy Hannon, guest booking by Sari Labaris, production by Haley Browning. This podcast is copyright material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates. Curriculum Associates.